Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hi everyone and welcome to Confessions of a Debut Novelist with me your host Chloe Timms. This week I'm talking to Ryan Love about his commercial novel Arthur and Teddy are coming out. Ryan is a former journalist and editor from Northern Ireland and he now works in music PR. In this episode we discuss writing different coming out stories to capture a variety of experiences, how lockdown was a now or never moment to achieve his novel writing dreams and how he wrote the first draft in an intense three weeks. But first, before we hear that, here's Ryan with an excerpt from Arthur and Teddy are coming out. It was almost time. He'd wait until after dessert. That's what he and Madeline had discussed and agreed upon. Perhaps they'd react better on full stomachs. Evening all, Patrick said, striding into the dining room. He threw his jacket over the back of the chair closest to him. Before you say anything, Lizzie, I got caught up in traffic. You're here, and that's the most important thing, Madeline said, as she gave her son a kiss on the cheek. Lizzie, could you please come and give me a hand in the kitchen? Patrick sat himself down on the vacated seat beside his father. Arthur couldn't help but notice how tired he looked, but he wasn't going to bring it up. After the breakdown of a previous relationship and the death of his best friend, his son had turned to alcohol. It was only when Madeline had reached breaking point and begged him that he had agreed to go to a rehab facility. With his life now back on track, Patrick had thrown himself into work following Arthur's retirement. So, what's going on? I figured it must be bad when you said I couldn't bring Scarlet. How are things with you two? You know what? Things are great. I really think she could be the one dad. Arthur smiled. Seeing Patrick happy after the last few years meant the world to him. Well, you know what you need to do then, son. She's a special lady. Don't let a day go by where you don't make her feel that. Elizabeth reappeared, carrying bowls of food. If you've got two working legs, you could actually come and help, Patrick. I'm on my way, no need for the sarcasm, Patrick said, before turning back to his father. 
I'll never understand how she got two men to propose to her. Arthur tried to join in the chat and laughter as much as he could throughout dinner. Every so often he felt Madeline's bright green eyes on him from across the table. They were still filled with the same energy they had been when he first looked into them over fifty years earlier. Her freshly layered, snowy white hair framed her delicate features. You're on another planet tonight, Daddy. Do you want to top up? Go on then, why not? Elizabeth stretched across and filled his glass. There's so much depth to the flavour of this one. Madeline gave her glass a little shake. It's a little rich for me, she says after almost half a bottle. Arthur laughed loudly. It felt good to momentarily forget, even if it was fleeting. Patrick was slouched in his chair, one hand resting on his stomach. He'd put on a little weight over the summer, which he was quick to put down to Scarlett's good home cooking. Mum dinner was amazing. We have to do this more often if you're going to spoil us like this. Forget more often. I want to know what's going on and why we're here tonight, Elizabeth said, before taking another sip from her almost empty glass. I know you, pair. There's something. I've seen those glances at each other. You're right, Arthur said, prompting all three heads to turn in his direction. There is a reason we asked you to come here tonight. Madeline reached across and held her hand out. Arthur took it and their fingers knitted together. He squeezed it tightly. Is something wrong? Elizabeth said. The mood in the room had shifted. Arthur hated hearing the sudden sense of panic in his daughter's voice. He felt Madeline's wedding ring press into his finger as she gripped his hand even tighter. Is Davina McCall about to walk in with our long-lost brother? Shut up, Patrick, Elizabeth hissed. Daddy, please, what's going on? Arthur took a deep breath. Your mother and I will always love each other very much, but we're not together anymore and it's not because we don't still love each other very much. Arthur paused. His next few words would change everything. There was no stopping now, as his two children stared back at him, their eyes wide with anticipation. He closed his eyes and allowed the words to finally leave his mouth. The truth is, I'm gay. Hi Ryan, welcome to the podcast. I'm really happy to have you on with me today to discuss your debut novel, Arthur and Teddy are coming out. Thanks so much for having me, Chloe. I'm so excited to be able to chat about the book with you. So Ryan, can you start by telling us what Arthur and Teddy are coming out is all about? So Arthur and Teddy are grandfather and grandson, and the story focuses on them being at this point in both of their lives. So it's very different stages of their lives, but they're both ready to come out and sort of live live the life that they're they're wanting to live at at this stage. So it's a fundamentalist story about family. These these two guys have this lovely relationship, but they both have this secret that they don't know about. And it's just them then supporting each other through this journey and taking their family and friends on it with them. Yeah, and they don't get the best reception from every family member, but there is a there is a loving family around them either way. There is, of course. Yeah, I wanted to bring in, you know, just someone who struggled with it a little, whether it's the sort of the idea that secrets have been kept or whether it's, you know, their attitude towards them being gay, just the life they're going to be living. A little bit of friction there, but generally a, a supportive family, which is something I want to reflect because it was, you know, my own experience as well. Yeah, so where did this novel idea come from? Was it a, something that in your own life was sparked that then made you think about the story idea? Where did the first kind of inspiration come from? 
it was funny because originally I did actually want to stay away from the sort of coming out story because I think it's something that, you know, is done and done really well by so many books, so many TV shows. Um, and then a lot of it did centre around sort of writing an older character, um, you know, in terms of the grandfather figure that I really wanted to create. I'd had this character in my head and I just didn't quite know what I was doing with him. I just got this lovely image of this older man who I wanted as a sort of grandfather. And then I accidentally was sort of just reading stories and saw a man in America who during lockdown came out and he was 90. And I was just blown away by by this man, his story, just the fact that he had done this and was out there, you know, being just just being his best self. And I was like, wow, this is this is incredible at that age. And then the two sort of just kind of merged. And I didn't I didn't feel like I wanted to just focus on that older person's story because Again, I just don't have the lived experience. So bringing in the younger character and being able to build a bond between Teddy and, and Arthur then sort of allowed me to explore both stories and supporting each other through the same thing at different stages of life. Yes, yeah, so what was it like then to write as a almost 80-year-old man? Because I imagine, like you say, you haven't got that lived experience, but um, every every aspect of writing we have to kind of use our imagination and put ourselves into other people's point of views and and try and imagine what it would be like. But was that particularly difficult to kind of imagine someone who is, I'm not even going to do the maths, but many, many, many years older than you are? <laughs> he is. And, you know, I, I thought it was going to be much harder because, again, the lived experience and stuff like that. But I think the way I approached it was to look at his his personality, his character traits, and just take it from there and sort of go, well, I'm writing a man who I know is family orientated, who has had a lot of hard experiences and just take my own experiences, channel those. And and again, using the old people, sorry, the older people (laughs) in my life, um, you know, and I have so many great aunts and great uncles who've had incredibly difficult lives and tough experiences and to sort of just absorb some of those and look at the strength of character that they have and to really just take elements of those and, and build this, this character and, hope that someone of that age, you know, might read it and sort of see some of themselves in it. But fundamentally, yeah, it, it was it was easier than I expected. But it was so lovely to sort of put yourself in that in that mindset and sort of go, ah, okay, this is what I think he would do. But to use his personality and sort of make sure his decisions and actions were sort of reflective of the character that, you know, within his soul that I sort of felt I knew at that stage. Were there any points where you had to change a reaction or behavior because you started to think no that's what I would do or a younger person would do it actually there's a there's a scene that I'm thinking of that's much later in books I won't spoil but he almost has a very Arthur has a very kind of calm and reasonable way of dealing with things and I think that kind of comes with his age yes um that funnily enough wasn't too difficult because since I was a very small boy, I've been told that I have a, an old head on young shoulders. So Deep me, down, you are an eight-year-old man. <laughs> I think so. I think so. <laughs> so in some ways, writing younger is much more difficult for me because I just didn't have, I didn't have the experiences that I now associate with perhaps a teenager or someone in their 20s. So in some ways, I was much happier writing older and sort of getting myself into that mindset. <laughs> So 
kind of on a practical level first of all actually tell us a little bit more about um tell us a bit more about teddy um tell us a little bit more about arthur and then we'll talk yes. about how you kind of built them on a more kind of practical level so let's start with arthur arthur's 79 when we're we first meet him he's been married to madeline for 50 something years um he he's been generally quite quite happy with with life they have two kids together elizabeth and patrick and he's had a little bit of health trouble over the the couple of years just before we meet him and this has got him to the point now where he's approaching 80 he's had these experiences and he just knows that he needs to do this so he we meet him in chapter one he's gathering the family and he's been through it all with madeline and he's ready to tell the kids what they're doing and madeline is the most incredible supportive wife who is literally with him every step of this journey and she sits down at the dinner table with the kids as well and they you know tell them exactly what's going on and i think arthur is just such a strong person but again he's made by by madeline's strength and her sort of love and support over their 50-year marriage and you know that has got him to this point as well where he's he's comfortable to do this um and i think some of that then transcends into teddy who has again this really close relationship with with his granddad so teddy's 21 he's again had a tough couple of years where his dad died when he was 18 he didn't go to uni so he's he's very much lost um he doesn't know what he wants out of life he's really struggling because again he's keeping this this secret from his family um he's got his his two best friends lexi and shack and yeah he he's sort of reaching that point where he wants to wants to come out and just be a little freer um but again, Arthur's announcement kind of throws a spanner in the works. So Teddy, Teddy's a funny one because, um, you know, he's offered, um, his mom has been trying to get him into the newspaper that she works for. Um, but of course, he's he's completely put off by this and the sort of the nepotism angle and sort of not wanting to be this person who, who needs a, a helping hand. But when we meet him, he has reluctantly agreed to take this chance because you know he enjoys writing and i sort of you know threw myself in a little bit there and sort of grabs this opportunity to sort of you know go and do something because he just needs need to grab on to an opportunity even if it has come from his mum and he sort of embraces this as, as time goes on so i'm imagining you with i don't know hundreds of character charts or pinterest boards or whatever <laughs> how did you go about creating these characters they're, they're not quite pin boards but there were a lot of notes so um <laughs> I mean, I think it was about two weeks I did of like proper planning where I was scribbling everything down and making all my sort of character profiles and making sure that I just had a good grip on on who everyone was and what they what they were doing, who they were, you know, and what their sort of purpose was. But on the whole, it was it was quite a nice bunch of characters to to sort of juggle. Um and because obviously um it's dual perspective, so we're alternating between Arthur and Teddy in each chapter. It sort of allowed me to sort of dip in and out of, of each of each character a little bit more and sort of make sure that I feel like everyone got a little chance to shine. So certain characters who pop up in Oscars might not pop up in Arthur's story, sorry, in Teddy's story along the way. But then you get you know chances to merge them all, which was really lovely to sort of have characters who have existed solely in you know one chapter to to pop up and meet Arthur's friends or Teddy's friends, which was really nice. Yeah. Did you always intend to make it a, a dual perspective or had you had this idea of making it just one character's perspective? 
it was it was pretty much dual perspective from from the get go. Once I once I knew the the story and had the character of of Arthur and knowing Arthur was gay and wanting the focus then to sort of be shared amongst a younger perspective as well. It was it was pretty much dual from from the get go, which is something I love because it was again it was a nice opportunity to dive into the two different mindsets. Mm. And you've got quite a large cast of characters because obviously you've got the family, you've got the friends, you've got the people that they know where they live. How is it kind of managing all of those? Because they all have to have kind of distinct personalities and they have to be different in, in certain ways and they will have to have some sort of purpose. Was that a, a difficult thing? Because I can imagine it would be. It was to an extent. Um, I definitely made sure, again, before I really started writing, that I, I think I had a grip on on who everyone was. Um, it was nice because I've got such a, a large family like mum is one of eight dad's one of nine I have a huge huge amount of people sort of pick bits from and, and define these personalities so again it was just really nice to sort of be able to go okay this person reminds me of this aunt or this one reminds you of this cousin and it was like throwing little bits into the characters and going yeah they all kind of have something individual and hopefully when people you know do get the chance to read that they can they can see that and hopefully everyone feels defined and human just someone that they they recognize do you think any of your family will be opening the book and being like that character's me <laughs> this is a conversation i've had with my with my sister because they were very nervous <laughs> <laughs> and i had to reassure them when i told them that teddy had two sisters that that was as far as it went <laughs> <laughs> they are not represented that deeply in any of the characters because <laughs> i made that i made that mistake with um, a previous manuscript that i'd written where I leaned in quite heavily on on family, and it wasn't uncomfortably so or anything like that, but it definitely was much more than I did in this book, where I really did try to separate the sort of reality from the the fiction. Mm. Because yeah. I I would absolutely hate someone to read it and think, oh gosh, is that me? Is that what I'm like? Is that I want them to to maybe see nice things and be like, oh, you know, like mum can say that reminds me of your sister or something I would do, and you know, just little things like that. Mm. yeah it's weird isn't it when I don't know how many of your family have had the chance to read it yet probably not many um because it's not quite out yet when we're speaking but I wonder whether they will have that kind of reaction whether they'll be able to separate you and kind of your family from the story because it is such a family-centered novel I think naturally people do always almost look for themselves in other people's work sometimes if you know a writer um I haven't I haven't had that happen thankfully um, or not to my knowledge anyway <laughs> but you you sound like you I mean correct me if I'm wrong but you sound like you're someone that is quite um, a bit of a planner um, or someone that at least thinks about the kind of the structure um, your novel is incredibly satisfying as a as a narrative and I feel like you kind of hit all the right beats at the right time so did you plan it or was it more you had the characters you knew them really well and you just kind of knew where you wanted to go and you just wrote how did it how did it work yeah it was a, a little bit of both um so I had a good learning experience writing my first manuscript and took the things that I I, I learned from that experience and again a lot of that was down to the character and and those profiles which I think was the best thing I did for myself to really have a grip on their personalities and knowing just who they were so that it really influenced their actions so that things made sense to people because there's nothing worse when I think a character does something and you go hang on that just doesn't make sense for that person so I, I was really aware of that but in terms of plotting 
I had I had an idea of where I was going, but I'm so impatient that I just want to dive straight in and start writing and see see just see where things take me and then hope I make decisions correctly based on what I think I know of the character. Mm. I'm gonna well, I'm gonna go back to that in a bit, but I, one of the things I really was keen to speak to you about was that although your novel is described and is a very uplifting and warm novel, you do have other elements of the novel which are sadder or darker in in a very honest way, I think. And you have um, several gay characters in the novel and several different coming out stories. You're not just kind of making it seem like it's all cheerful and lovely and happy for everyone. How important was it for you to show this kind of spectrum of experience? Yeah, that was so important. <clears throat> Sorry, excuse me. So yeah, that was so important because again, I've been exceptionally lucky and privileged to have had the most incredible loving support from from my entire family. But for friends, it's not been it's not been some have had not great experiences, some have had the worst experiences. And I mean it's such a unique experience for every single person that we go through. Um so yeah, it was important for me to at least touch on on issues and not just present it as a big sort of, you know, wonderful hug. Because whilst it is for so many, there are other people who go through horrible things. And I think bring a little bit of the reality of that alongside to try and, you know, make sure that there's a little representation there, but also just to give people hope that even when you have the negative, it can perhaps and hopefully lead to the positive as well. Mm, Because you also touch on um, suicide and there is a point where you talk about um, conversion therapy, particularly when you're talking about how gay people were treated in the past. And I think yeah. as as sad as it is to touch on those topics in a, a very kind of warm and funny and, and joyful book, it felt to me that you would have been doing a disservice to the story if you hadn't included them as well. Absolutely. When you've got a man of, of 80 who, who lived through an era like that and you know, at the time, Arthur might not be able to come out because, you know, it was illegal and, you know, all these things that would have been going on. And I think that's his life experience and the things that, you know, forced him to make the decision to to get married and to have a family and to, you know, live this life that was, you know, a bit of a lie, even though he finds happiness and he did find a love with Madeleine. I think these things that were going on made him who he is as well. So even though he wasn't, he you know, he wasn't living as a gay man experiencing those things, they were there in his mind. And, you know, the fear, the reality of all of that makes him who he is as a character. But yeah, so really making sure that they were touched on as well. And, you know, it's part of his story was was something I was really wanting to do, but also just, just doing it carefully and respectfully and making sure that, you know, it felt authentic in case, you know, because people, you know, again, if someone reads this who, who lived through that or, you know, even at the worst case, you know, experienced that, I want them to feel that, you know, I've, I've been respectful of it, you know, mm. and those experiences because, you know, that's that's their story as well. And making sure those stories aren't forgotten, you know, we're in 2023. And again, you can look at things going on and some of it's absolutely gut-wrenching and terrifying right now. Um, and you see, you know, how, how shaky rights are and how things can really change and, you know, you, things can vanish if, mm. you know, if we're not, if we're not careful. And um, so it's just a little reminder well of how far we've come, but, nothing's ever guaranteed and it's it's quite scary out there yeah definitely and I think that's why it's nice to have both age groups in this novel as well to see how things have changed but also as a reminder of 
of like you say how fragile it can be for, yeah. for people as well um let's go back and talk about your your career as a writer and how you've got to this point because I know that you've been you've loved books and loved writing and always wanted to be a writer so kind of tell us tell us where this kind of dream of being an author began and where your love of writing began and I know your mom was a big part of that so tell us (laughs) so this is going to be a love letter to mom (laughs) (laughs) yeah so from a very young age you know I was the, the the eldest so I was you know first born and mom just had a love of books and I was just so lucky that I had someone who just loved sitting down and reading to me as a young child and you know introduced me to Roald Dahl and Dick King Smith and just authors like that you know through childhood where I just absorbed these characters and these wonderful little worlds and just fell in love completely so you know Matilda was a book that I just remember being one of the first where I completely fell in love and saw this character who loved books and I was like wow this is incredible look at her off to the library with her little cart and I just I just want that you know I was from a very small rural area and I was like a library this is incredible this is somewhere you can go and get access to all these books because you know at the time you know we couldn't afford you know to be spending too much money on books and stuff like that and I remember it was um a school book fair you know where they came and they said oh I loved them they were amazing the best time and I was always just like wow this is the best like few days of the school year (laughs) and it was it was 1998 I think and the first two Harry Potter books were out and I hadn't heard of it saw this saw these two books on the like a bottom shelf and was like can I please get these and we could only afford one of them I was like it's fine I'm just going to get this this book and again that was just one of those defining moments where I was like wow okay I've got, I've bought like this book and mum has actually, I don't know, you spent money and escape into this world. And it was just the best. And just, yeah, from, from all of that, it was just something that I just wanted then. I just wanted to, to do and to, to sort of, you know, hold this thing of my own as well. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale, starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. 
So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So what made you take the plunge then to writing a novel? And I think you mentioned you'd you'd written a manuscript. Um, so what made you take that step then to... To think, yeah, so, right. yeah, it was um, it was definitely one of those lifelong goals that had been there since I was absolutely no age where I'd be in English class and like, I would be talking to the teacher and I was the person who hung around and talked to the English teacher after class and went to the library, you know, and escaped during PE class so I could zoom off and hide in the library. <laughs> and it was just always one of those things. Um, and then life kind of just, you know, gets in the way you're doing other things. But it was always there and then it's a typical story right now but lockdown happened and I was just like do you know what if I don't do it now I just feel like I'm never going to do it mm-hmm. so yeah I, I wrote I wrote this this first manuscript um and it, <laughs> it was a learning experience um, so it took me I'd say I was working on it for uh, about three months and then put it away and went back to it about maybe 12 months later finished it and it, it was incredible to sort of, you know, go, okay, I've got, you know, 85,000 words here. But I just, I just knew that it wasn't quite, I wasn't quite in love with it. Um, I'd done it, but, it, you know, it just existed and it didn't feel perhaps as authentic as it should because I'd leaned in a lot on my own experiences and it was quite heavy. You know, it was, it was much more mental health focused um, with, with a family aspect as well. And it just, it just didn't quite work. And I mean, I was so lucky that I was able to, you know, have the chance to pitch it out and talk to a couple of agents who gave me, you know, lovely feedback and showed me what was perhaps wrong with it. And I sort of learned from all of that and tried to then take that away and not not force myself, but to just sit with things and see where it took me and wait for them, you know, the idea that felt right. And luckily enough, you know, it, I think it, there was a good maybe seven months before, you know, Arthur and Teddy were sort of, fully formed in my head between that so it was just a really nice experience to have and to sort of try and learn from and again learning from the people who I was fortunate enough to be able to speak to as well so did you go out with that first manuscript and and query with agents with I it I did yeah. I did yeah um and had a, I had a couple of people ask for you know full submissions which was you know incredibly exciting and lovely and at the time you're you know you're are completely absorbed in this experience and wanting the best for it of course but once I once I was able to talk to people and get the feedback and sit with it and go, yeah, I get you. This I understand what you're saying about what's not right with this. Um, and I could have gone away. You know, a couple of people said to go away, work on their notes and stuff like that. But it it just wasn't. It just was. It felt like I would need to start again, for me personally, rather than trying to adapt with what I had. 
So it's still sitting there. It's still you know on the laptop. It's something that I think perhaps when I have more confidence um, and a better understanding that I would perhaps go back to because I think it's very me. It's very much focused on a lot of experiences I've had. And I think it was good for me to get those out and to sort of unburden myself of a lot of perhaps that, that story that I wanted to tell so that I could then go, well, you know what? I'm going to write something that's a little happier and a little, you know, just more feel good than perhaps, oh my gosh, this is heavy. Yeah, yeah. Especially for this book as well, because it's quite exposing. And, and I presume as well that if you had um, gone away and kind of polished that and, and resubmitted it and eventually got a book deal, you probably would have had to then do a lot of interviews where you were delving into a lot of personal stuff that maybe you might not be comfortable with talking about. And it's quite a lot to take on for a first book. It is. And, you know, it's something that I'm, I'm not, I'm not actually the, you know, what's the right word, perhaps shy about, mm. you know, going through some of those experiences because I think, you know, honesty and sort of being upfront about experiences, you, you know, I've had as well along the way, especially, you know, now that I'm in this little world, I don't want to forget those. And I want people to, you know, you know, know that you can also go through those and get to perhaps a point like this and juggling, you know, mental health with these experiences, you know, as a, as a debut author, you know, is quite overwhelming. Mm. So I think, you know, putting those out there and, and making sure, you know, another debut author might, might listen and sort of go, gosh, I've, I've got that sort of similar experience. And, you know, I think it, I just love the chance to do that as well. Yeah. I really admire the way you kind of wrote this novel because it was like now or never. And I know you're quite a kind of fast writer. And I think you said you spent about three months working on this novel sent it out, got great feedback, and then went, do you know what? I'm not going to do anything else with this book. I'm going to start again. I'm going to write something new. And you did it. And you and you did it in a, a really successful way. And I think some people might have been put off by the fact that you'd, you know, they might have stopped at a certain point and felt that they couldn't go off and write another book because they felt very strong feelings about this first book. But I really admire the fact that you just kind of went, no, I'm going to carry on and, and do something else. No, oh, thank you. Yeah, do you know what? That's the thing. I think I just really saw it as a as a learning experience and wanting to to take everything that I got from people who were who were so encouraging because people were generally the agents I spoke to were were just to have someone's time like that where they you know actually do read your first three chapters and then the people who asked for a full submission and then they go in and read your your writing and you're you're absolutely nobody but they come back to you with with such perhaps you know detailed feedback. And it's like, it's not perfect. And it's it's not something I'm going to, you know, work with you on right now. But if you go away and do this, because you've got the ability to do, to do these things, and there's something there. I mean, I was taking that going, wow, okay, this is incredible. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm not even put off. I'm, I'm literally like, tell me more, because I'm going to take all of this on board and go and achieve this, because right now I need this. Mm, that's a really positive outlook as well. I think there will be some people that, uh, that I mean, that's something we always say as as writers is that that the no's never stop. There's always going to be a point where someone is going to stop you and say something has to be improved or you get a rejection or whatever it is. And that unfortunately doesn't matter how successful you are, that always comes in your journey. But I think some people are some people struggle necessarily sometimes with feedback or they struggle if they think that that was my best idea or that was my one good idea. Um how do you work then? How is your kind of What's your writing routine like? Are you very much um, someone who isn't afraid of that horrible blank document? You can just go out there and fill it, or are you someone that kind of prefers the 
um, the polishing later in the editing? What What's your kind of writing routine like? It's such a funny one because, again, I think it changed so much between, you know, my own personal two experiences with those two manuscripts because, yeah, I was completely terrified. You know, when you open up that document and you've got that blank page and you you start typing those first few words and you see that word kind of building, it's, it's, it's daunting. And, I mean, even post-Arthur and Teddy doing it terrifies me again because it's it's just seeing that word kind of build again and you're like, wow, there's a long way to go here. But, um. Yeah, I did love the experience of of writing Arthur and Teddy. That first draft was a completely different experience to the first manuscript. So I wrote the first draft of Arthur and Teddy in three weeks, where I just wrote consistently, day and night. I just had all the time in the world, and I sat at the kitchen table, and life was going on around me. I know I'm, I'm living at home. There's parents, siblings, dogs. And I just literally escaped into this world for three solid weeks. And it was the best experience. Like genuinely, I just had the best time writing this. And it actually terrifies me that I almost set the bar too high <laughs> with that experience because trying to replicate that, I'm like, can I do this again? Possibly was that a fluke? But the two weeks planning were so important because they just allowed me those three weeks to go bang and sit there and completely just lose myself. Mm, yeah, I wonder, I mean, we'll talk about your um next book at the end but I wonder whether your kind of process will change inevitably because you have other factors that you're thinking about when you're right I mean I I certainly um have when I'm when I'm writing new things where I'm thinking um where's this going to fit in the market and what's the pitch going to be whereas actually probably when you write you write those first few books you're not thinking about that at all you're just thinking of the story and the characters and the things that you're interested in yeah, absolutely. That's been. I think that's generally one of the the strangest things that I've really had to sort of sit down and go, who am I? Who do people think I am as a as a writer? Because I had none of that. I was just writing these words and seeing where we ended up. Mm. And now suddenly I'm like, am I am I an author who writes rom coms? Am I an author who does this this this? You know, do people want more gay characters from me? Do they want older characters? I'm trying to sort of figure myself out. Um, with then perhaps wider people, you know, you're suddenly talking about agents, publishers, and then readers, because, mm-hmm. you know, you want someone to think, oh, and you know, I enjoyed that. I might read his next book. And then if it's something completely different, you're going to be like, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so trying to get an understanding of myself has been, has definitely been one of the strangest things. And I don't think I'm, I'm quite there even. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I would love to over time you know, re- branch into different things and explore other interests within within writing. But yeah, sort of getting to grips with what, you know, what market people think you are. Mm. What your are like who you are. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a very it's a very strange thing to try and process. <laughs> what do you think it was then about Arthur and Teddy and and this novel that was special? I know you had feedback about your first book, so maybe you were able to kind of identify what was working and what wasn't. What do you think it was about their story or this novel that was the thing that captured the kind of attention of not only your your current agent, but also to get your book deal? Yeah, I'm, I think when I was starting to write it, again, I, I was, I think the thing I took from book one feedback was that I needed to lose a lot of myself and to not feel like I was just writing about my own experiences per se. So making things authentic without 
not not to sit down and write something feel good, but to make sure that it just didn't feel like I was unloading in a diary. To make sure that I was telling other people's stories in an authentic way, but to give someone something that they could take away from it, you know. So Arthur and Teddy, I feel, I hope people feel inspired or, you know, just comforted by it in some way. Mm. And that was that was all I really just wanted to do and sat down to do, that it was just something warm because that's what I needed at that point. I think that's where I was, you know, at that stage of of everything that was going on in the world at that point. I wanted something nice. And I was like, okay, here we go. I'm just going to do this because I don't need to lean into the book one aspect too much. Write something positive that makes you feel good that you would have enjoyed reading if you were 21. Yeah. And I actually think maybe lockdown has a lot to do with that. And certainly authors I've spoken to this year, the majority of them have written their debut in lockdown. And a lot yeah. of people have said, like, this book is the book of my heart, or it's the book that I needed, or it's the book that got me through. And I, and I see that, you know, it doesn't matter what the genre is or what the themes are. It just that seems to be a kind of common thing. And I think, like you say, you you escaped into this world of 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 hope and of this loving lovely family who you know you want to spend time with in a really dark time in, for the world basically um absolutely and i and i think well there was certainly i mean i won't give any spoilers but um if you're a kind of slushy deep down romantic like i am there were definitely moments where i was like oh my heart and, <laughs> you know it's really lovely and uh it's it's definitely a book you you want to read when you're you know feeling a bit rubbish or you just need that little lift and I think it'll be interesting to see kind of going forward what what you write next and I'm, I'm certainly interested in that but I'd love to hear a bit more about what the publishing process has been like for you whether there's been anything I mean I know you're going into kind of like like most debuts kind of completely blind not knowing what's going to happen but was there anything that was particularly surprising or particularly challenging that you had to deal with and if there were difficult times how do you think that you kind of coped with them so overall um yes i was absolutely blind and it's been the most incredible learning experience so you know every every new word whether it was you know from a contract learning what words and this meant i was quite overwhelming and thank thank god for agents who can you can fire off an email or a WhatsApp to and suddenly have an explanation and an absolute godsend to, to have someone like that to translate things. But the experience on the whole has been positive and and really, really lovely. You know, I, I feel so fortunate that I, I landed with a team who who really got the book and wanted to wanted to champion it. Um so my my editor Cicely, we we worked on it a couple of drafts together after that first one. And I'm someone who is is very much open to feedback. I'm not, I'm not precious about changing things, about seeing other perspectives that that someone you know whose experience I value because you know they're in a job that you know they do this every day. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm absolutely here to learn from you. Um, and even though I feel like I know the characters, I absolutely want to take every bit of feedback and and weigh it up, you know, objectively and go that is that what that suggestion is something that I either really appreciate and then give my side of, you know, the argument perhaps if we don't want to change it. But on the whole, everything that I've I've done with with Sicily or anyone else along the way has been a really lovely experience. You know, and again, I'm just all about the feedback and the learning and taking away and sort of going, yeah, they, they know what they're doing and they've they're help they're they're helping me be make it the best it can be. 
which ultimately is is what I want for myself and you know for someone who's going to read it. Mm. And what about people who are kind of hoping to be published maybe this year, next year? What advice would you have if they were approaching this kind of debut year? What would you just say? Would it be to us to kind of enjoy every experience? Yeah, absolutely. Ask ask questions. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of those questions because you will have so many and they're there to answer them and they're perfectly happy to answer them. It's it's a learning experience. Get as much out of it as you can. Really enjoy it. You know, whether it is going to the to the printers down the line, whether it's doing a copy edit or a line edit, and you perhaps, you know, you mightn't be familiar with what exactly these things entail. Just ask those questions because they're there. And again, you are working collaboratively to make this the best it can be. And it's just not being afraid of of feedback, of of asking questions, of, of just learning and enjoying it at the same time. And again, if you do dislike something, don't be afraid to have an opinion because this is, you know, this is your baby that you're gonna you're gonna be talking about in 12, 18 months time. And you're gonna be talking about it a lot. And you want to be proud of it. And you want to be proud of of what people read. So don't be afraid of of all those things, you know, and and get the most out of it. Mm, and you've mentioned it now, so I have to ask you about it. Tell us about your experience going to the printers and seeing it come to life. That was one of the most surreal days of my life, to be perfectly honest. It was something that I had dreamt about. So I, at the earliest opportunity, and I'm sure my editor was was thinking, oh my gosh, he's talking about the printers already. I was just like, do you think I can go to the printers whenever this is happening? And they were so lovely and made it all happen. And the, the printers themselves got me there and just looked after me so well. It gave me the most incredible tour of the factory floor. And to be there and see the final stage where the book was going around on the press, having the, the hardback attached and then the cover wrapped. And to see it just come out in that moment was kind of mind-blowing. And to, to actually pick up the very first finished copy off the press was, yeah, I mean, completely surreal. Wow. And just to be able to share that, you know, I, I had my my editor there with me as well. So just being able to share that experience, you know, with her after, you know, 18 months. And yeah, just to just to just be there, watch this happen was was a dream come true completely. Oh, that just sounds incredible. I hope um, I hope I get to do it one day and I'm sure there'll be many people going like, Oh, that sounds so amazing. I wish I could. I know. I don't want the printers. I don't want the printers to hate me for backing them up. But if you have the chance, absolutely do it. Ask for it because it is just one of those, you know, bucket list experiences that I think will will stay with you forever then. Mm. So finally, Ryan, can you give us any hints at all about what you're writing next? Well, I will tell you that there are some older characters who I hope people will absolutely take to their hearts as much as, thankfully, people have Arthur and a few of the other ones so far. But yes, there are a few older characters who I'm absolutely in love with, who are at a stage in life where they're going through things. And yeah, they're leaning on each other, but leaning on someone new who comes into their life as well. Oh, that was a good little tease. (laughs) Brian, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me, Chloe. It's been so lovely. That was Ryan Love talking about his commercial novel, Arthur and Teddy Are Coming Out, which is out now and available to buy. And if you'd like to support this podcast, debut authors and independent bookshops, you can now shop in the Confessions of a Debut Novelist bookshop, hosted by bookshop.org, 
which I've linked down below in the show notes. If you fancy buying any of the books you've heard on this podcast, then the majority of them can be found in this bookshop. And if you can, I would really appreciate you supporting me, supporting the authors and independent bookshops by buying them through this online store. Thank you so much for listening. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Or if you've subscribed already, it'd be great if you could leave me a review. See you next time.